0: Chapter 12. The Spiritual Union Between Christ and the Saints My beloved is mine, and I am his. Song of Solomon 2.16. In this verse from the Song of Solomon, we see the love of Christ and his church running toward each other in a full torrent. The text contains three general parts. 1. A symbol of affection my beloved, two, a term of appropriation, is mine, three, a holy submission, I am his. Doctrine. There is a marital union between Christ and believers. The Apostle Paul, having spoken of marriage in general, concludes the whole chapter in this way. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the Church Ephesians three thirty two What is closer than union? What is sweeter? There is a twofold union with Christ. There is a natural union and there is a sacred union. A natural union All people have this natural union since Christ took their nature upon himself and not that of the angels. Hebrews 2:16. However, if there is no more than this natural union, it will give little comfort. Thousands are damned, even though Christ is united to their nature. A sacred union. By this sacred union, we are spiritually united to Christ. The union with Christ is not personal. If Christ's essence were imparted into the person of a believer then it would follow that all that a believer does would be meritorious. The union between Christ and the Christian is integrated. My beloved is mine. God the Father gives the bride. God the Son receives the bride. And God the Holy Spirit ties the knot in marriage. He knits our wills to Christ. And he knits Christ's love to us. The union between Christ and the Christian is because of Christ. Christ unites himself to his spouse by his graces and influences. Of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. John 1.16 Christ makes himself one with his spouse by conveying his image and stamping the imprint of his own holiness upon her. This union with Christ may well be called spiritual. It is hard to describe the manner of it. Just as it is hard to show how the soul is united to the body, so it is difficult to show how Christ is united to the soul. Even though this union is spiritual, it is actual. Things in nature often work imperceptibly, yet actually. Ecclesiastes 11.5. We do not see the hand move on the sundial, yet it moves. The sun exhales and draws up the vapors of the earth insensibly, yet actually. So the union between Christ and the soul, although it is imperceptible to the eye of reason, is still real. 1 Corinthians 6.17. Before this union with Christ, there must be a separation. The heart must be separated from all others who are loved, just as in marriage there is a leaving of father and mother. Forget also thine own people and thy father's house. Psalm 45, 10 We also must leave our former sins and break off the old association with hell before we can be united to Christ. Ephraim shall say, "What have I to do any more with idols? Hosea 148 or as it is in Hebrew, with sorrows. Those sins that we used to love are now considered sources of sorrow. There must be a divorce before a union. The purpose of our marital union with Christ is twofold: to dwell together, and to bear fruit. To dwell together. One purpose of marriage is to dwell together, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Ephesians 3.17 It is not enough to pay Christ a few complimentary visits in his ordinances, for hypocrites may do that, but there must be a mutual association. We must dwell upon the thoughts of Christ. He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. 1 John 4.16 Married people should not live apart. To bear fruit. That ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. Romans 7.4 the spouse bears the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Galatians 5, 22-23 Barrenness is a shame in Christ's spouse. This marriage union with Christ is the most noble and excellent union. Christ unites Himself to many. In other marriages, only one person is taken, but in this union, millions are taken. If this were not the case, poor souls might cry out, Alas! Christ has married Himself to that person, but what is that to me? I am left out. No, for Christ marries Himself to thousands. It is a holy and chaste marriage, however. Multitudes of people do not defile this marriage bed. Any poor sinner who brings a humble, believing heart may be married to Christ. There is a closer union in this holy marriage than there can be in any other. In other marriages, two make one flesh. But in this marriage, Christ and the believer make one spirit. He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. 1 Corinthians 6.17 Just as the soul is more excellent than the body and allows far greater joy, so this spiritual union brings in more astonishing delights and joy than any other marriage relationship is capable of. The joy that flows from the spiritual union is unspeakable and full of glory. 1 Peter 1.8 this union with christ never ceases other marriages are soon at an end death cuts the marriage knot apart but this marital union is eternal you who become christ's spouse will never be widowed i will betroth thee unto me forever hosea 2:19 to speak properly our marriage with christ begins where other marriages end, at death. In this life, there is only the contract. The Jews had a time set between their engagement and marriage, sometimes a year or more. In this life, there is only the engagement and contract. Promises are made on both sides, and love passes secretly between Christ and the soul. He gives some smiles of his face and the soul sends up its sighs and drops tears of love. But all this is only a preceding work and something that leads up to the marriage. The glorious completing and solemnizing of the marriage is reserved for heaven. Then there will be the marriage supper of the Lamb. Revelation 19.9 And the bed of glory perfumed with love where the souls of the elect will be perpetually cheering themselves. So shall we ever be with the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 4.17 Death simply begins our marriage with Christ. Application 1 Since Christ is the head of the spiritual body, Ephesians 1.22, then this doctrine beheads the Pope, the man of sin who usurps this prerogative, of being the head of the church, and so would defile Christ's marriage bed. What blasphemy this is. Two heads are monstrous. Christ is head, just as he is husband. There is no vice-husband. There is no deputy in his place. The Pope is the beast in the book of Revelation. Revelation 13, 11. To make him head of the church, would be to set the head of a beast upon the body of a man. Application 2. Since there is such a marital union, let us test whether we are united to Christ. Have we chosen Christ to set our love upon, and is this choice founded on knowledge? Have we consented to the marriage? It is not enough that Christ is willing to have us, but are we willing to have Him? God does not so force salvation upon us that we will have Christ whether we want to or not. We must consent to have Him. Many people approve of Christ but do not give their consent. This consent must be pure and genuine. We approve of Him for His own worth and excellence. Thou art fairer than the children of men. Psalm 45, 2 this consent must be a present consent. Now is the accepted time. Second Corinthians 6.2 If we put Christ off with delays and excuses, perhaps He will come no more. He will stop trying to win us. His Spirit will no longer strive with us. Genesis 6.3 And then, poor sinner, what will you do? When God stops calling you, your woes begin. Have we taken Christ? Faith is the bond of the union. Christ is joined to us by His Spirit, and we are joined to Him by faith. Faith ties the marriage knot. Have we given ourselves up to Christ? The spouse in the text says, I am His as if she had said, All I have is for the use and service of Christ. Have we surrendered all to him? Have we given up our name and will to Christ? When the devil appears to us by a temptation, do we say, we are not our own? We are Christ's. Our tongues are his, and we must not defile them with profanity. Our bodies are his temple. We must not pollute them with sin. If we respond in this way, it is a sign that the Holy Spirit has produced this blessed union between Christ and us. Application 3. Is there this spiritual union? Since there is such a spiritual union, we may draw many inferences. See the dignity of all true believers they are joined in marriage with Christ. There is not only assimilation, but there is also union. They are not only like Christ, but they are one with Christ. All the saints have this honor. When a king marries a beggar by virtue of the union, she is honored and becomes part of the royal blood. Just as wicked people are united to the prince of darkness and receive hell as their settlement, so the godly are divinely united to Christ, who is king of kings, and lord of lords revelation 19:16 by virtue of the sacred union the saints are dignified above the angels christ is the lord of the angels but is not their husband see how happily all the saints are married they are united to christ who is the best husband he is the chiefest among 10000 song of solomon 5.10. Christ is a husband who cannot be equaled for his tender care and for his ardent affection. For his tender care. Christ's spouse cannot be as caring of her own soul and character as Christ is of her. He careth for you. 1 Peter 5.7. Christ consults with himself, devising and planning how to carry on the work. Of our salvation. He transacts all our affairs. He attends to our business as his own. Indeed, he himself is concerned in it. He brings in fresh supplies to his spouse. If she wanders out of the way, he guides her. If she stumbles, he holds her by the hand. If she falls, he lifts her up. If she is sluggish, he enlivens her by his spirit. If she is wayward, he draws her with cords of love. If she is sad, he comforts her with promises. For his ardent affection. No husband loves like Christ. The Lord says to his people, I have loved you. And they say, Wherein hast thou loved us? Malachi 1.2 However, we cannot say to Christ, Wherein hast thou loved us? Christ has given real demonstrations of his love to his spouse, he has sent her his word, which is a love letter, and he has given her his spirit, which is a love token. Christ loves more than any other husband. Christ puts a richer robe on his bride. He hath clothed me with the garments of salvation, he hath covered me with a robe of righteousness. Isaiah 61.10 In this robe, God looks upon us as if we had not sinned. This robe is as truly ours to wear as it is Christ's to bestow. This robe not only covers, but it also adorns. Those who wear this robe are considered righteous, not only as righteous as angels, but as righteous as Christ, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Christ not only gives his bride his golden garments, but he also gives his bride his image. He loves her into his own likeness. A husband may have a dear affection for his wife, but he cannot stamp his own likeness on her. If she is deformed, he may give her a veil to hide the deformity, but he cannot put his beauty on her. However, Christ imparts the beauty of holiness to his spouse. Thy beauty was perfect through my comeliness, which I had put upon thee. Ezekiel sixteen fourteen. When Christ marries a soul, he makes it lovely. Thou art all fair, my love. Song of Solomon, 4 7. Christ never thinks he has loved his spouse enough until he can see his own face in her. Christ pays off those debts that no other husband can. Our sins are the worst debts we owe, but Christ frees us from these. If all the angels would take up a collection, they would not be able to pay off even one of these debts. Jesus Christ is both a husband and a guarantor. He says to justice what Paul said concerning Onesimus. If he hath wronged thee, or oweth thee aught, put that on mine account. I will repay it. Philemon 1, 18-19 Christ has suffered more for his spouse than any husband ever did for any wife. He suffered poverty and shame. He who crowned the heavens with stars was himself crowned with thorns. He was called a companion of sinners, so that we might be made companions of angels. He did not regard his own life, but leaped into the sea of his father's wrath to save his spouse from drowning. Christ's love does not end with this life. He loves his spouse forever. I will betroth thee, unto me forever, Hosea 2, 19. Well may the apostle call the love of Christ a love which passeth knowledge, Ephesians 3, 19. See how rich believers are. They have married into the crown of heaven, and by virtue of the marital union, all Christ's riches go to believers. Communion is founded in union. Christ imparts his graces John 1:16 as long as Christ has them believers will not lack them he also imparts his privileges justification and glorification he provides a kingdom for his spouse as her inheritance hebrews 12:28 this is a key to the apostle's riddle about having nothing and yet possessing all things 2 Corinthians 6.10 By virtue of the marriage union, the saints have a share in all of Christ's riches. See how fearful a sin it is to mistreat the saints. Mistreating the saints is harm done to Christ, for believers are spiritually one with him. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Acts nine four. When the body was wounded, the head, being in heaven, cried out. In this sense, people crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh. Hebrews 6.6 Because what is done to his members is done to him. If Gideon was avenged upon those who slew his brothers, Judges 8.21, will not Christ much more be avenged on those who wrong his spouse? Will a king tolerate having his treasure ransacked, his crown thrown in the dust, and his queen beheaded? Will Christ tolerate the abuse and injuries done to his bride? The saints are the apple of Christ's eye, Zechariah 2.8, and those who strike at his eye will answer for it, I will feed them that oppress thee with their own flesh. And they shall be drunken with their own blood, as with sweet wine. Isaiah 49, 26 See the reason why the saints so much rejoice in the word and sacrament. They rejoice because it is here that they meet with their husband, Christ. The wife desires to be in the presence of her husband. The ordinances are the chariot in which Christ rides. They are the lattice through which He looks forth and shows His smiling face. Song of Solomon 2.9 Here, Christ displays the banner of love. Song of Solomon 2.4 The Lord's Supper is a pledge and token of that eternal communion that the saints will have with Christ in heaven. He will then take His spouse into His arms. If Christ is so sweet in an ordinance, when we have only short glances and dark glimpses of Him by faith, then how delightful and pleasing will His presence be in heaven, when we see Him face to face and are forever in His loving embraces. Application 4 This spiritual union provides much comfort to believers in several cases. 1. In the case of the disrespect and unkindness of the world. In wrath they hate me. Psalm 55.3. Although we live in an unkind world, we have a kind husband. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. John 15.9. No angel can describe how God the Father loves Christ. Yet the Father's love to Christ is made the copy and pattern of Christ's love to his spouse. This love of Christ as far exceeds all created love, as the sun outshines the light of a torch. Is not this a matter of comfort? What does it matter if the world hates me, for Christ loves me? 2. In the case of weakness of grace, the believer cannot lay hold on Christ except with a trembling hand. There is a spirit of infirmity on the believer. But, O weak Christian, here is strong consolation. There is a marital union. You are the spouse of Christ, and he will bear with you as the weaker vessel. 1 Peter 3, 7 Will a husband divorce his wife because she is weak and sickly? No, but he will be even more tender with her. Christ hates treachery, but he will have compassion on those who are weak. When the spouse is weak and ready to be discouraged, Christ puts his left hand under her head. Song of Solomon 2.6 This is the spouse's comfort when she is weak, that her husband can infuse strength into her. My God shall be my strength. Isaiah 49.5. 3. In the case of death. When believers die, they go to their husband, Christ. Who would not be willing to cross the gulf of death in order to meet with Christ? I desire to lift anchor and be with Christ. Philippians 1.23. It matters not if the way is stormy, since we are going to our friend. When a woman is engaged, She longs for the day of marriage. After the saint's funeral, their eternity with Christ begins. The body is a prison to the soul. Who would not desire to be released from prison to be with their spouse? How glad Joseph was to get out of prison and go to the king's court. God is wise. He lets us meet with changes and troubles here so that he may wean us from the world and cause us to long for death. When the soul is separated from the body, it is married to Christ. 4. In the case of passing sentence at the day of judgment, there is a marriage union, and Christians, your husband will be your judge. A wife would not fear appearing at the judgment seat if her husband was sitting as judge, what does it matter if the devil would bring in many indictments against you? Christ will expunge your sins in his blood. He will say, Will I condemn my spouse? Oh, what comfort this is! The husband is the judge. Christ cannot pass sentence against his spouse without passing it against himself. For Christ and believers are one. 5 in the case of saints' suffering. The church of God is exposed to much injustice in this life. But she has a husband in heaven who is mindful of her and will turn her water into wine. John 2. Now the spouse mourns because the bridegroom is absent. Matthew 9.15. But she will soon cease mourning. Christ will wipe away the tears of blood from the cheeks of His spouse. The Lord God will wipe away tears from off all faces. Isaiah 25, 8 Christ will comfort His spouse for the time she has been afflicted. He will comfort her with His love. He will take away the cup of trembling and will give her the cup of consolation, and then she will forget all her sorrows as she is called into the banqueting house of heaven where she will have the banner of Christ's love displayed over her. Song of Solomon 2.4. Application 5. Let me urge several duties upon those who have this marriage union with Christ. Make use of this relationship in two cases. 1. When the law brings its indictments against you. The law says that there are so many debts to be paid, and it demands satisfaction. Acknowledge the debt, but turn it all over to your husband, Christ. It is a saying in the law that the suit must not be brought against the wife, as long as the husband is living. When Satan accuses you, tell him, It is true that the debt is mine, but go to my husband, Christ. He will take care of it. If we took this course of action, we could save ourselves much trouble. By faith, we turn over the debt to our husband. Believers are not in a state of widowhood, but of marriage. Satan will never go to Christ, for he knows that justice is satisfied and the debt has been canceled. However, Satan comes to us for the debt so that he may unsettle us. We should send him to Christ and then all lawsuits would cease. It is the believer's triumph that when he is guilty in himself, he is worthy in Christ. When he is stained in himself, he is pure in his head, Christ. 2. In the case of desertion, for reasons best known to himself, Christ may step aside for a time. My beloved had withdrawn himself. Song of Solomon five six Do not say therefore that Christ has gone for good. When the husband has gone for a little while, it is a fruit of jealousy in a wife, to think that he has gone from her for good. Every time Christ removes himself out of sight, we should not say as Zion, The Lord hath forsaken me. Isaiah forty nine fourteen. This is jealousy. And it is a wrong done to the love of Christ and the sweetness of this marriage relationship. Christ may forsake his spouse in regard to comfort, but he will not forsake her in regard to union. A husband may be a thousand miles distant from his wife, but he is still her husband. Christ may leave his spouse, but the bond of marriage still holds. Love your husband, Christ. Love him even though he is mocked and persecuted. A wife loves her husband even when he is in prison. To intensify your love toward Christ, consider. Nothing else is suitable for you to love. If Christ is your husband, it is not right for you to have other loves, for that would make Christ grow jealous. He is worthy of your love. He is of unparalleled beauty. He is altogether lovely. Song of Solomon 5.16 How expressive Christ's love is toward you. He loves you in your worst condition. He loves you in affliction. The goldsmith loves his gold in the furnace. Christ loves you despite your scars and blemishes. The saints' weaknesses cannot wholly remove Christ's love from them. Jeremiah 3 1. How much, then, the spouse should be endeared in her love to Christ. The excellence of heaven will be that our love will then be as the sun in its full strength. Rejoice in your husband, Christ. Has Christ honored you by taking you into the marriage relationship and making you one with himself? This calls for joy. By virtue of the union, believers share with Christ in his riches. It was a custom among the Romans for a new wife to receive the keys to her husband's house when she was brought home, implying that the treasure and care of the house was now committed to her. When Christ brings his bride home to those glorious mansions that he has gone ahead to prepare for her, John 14:2, he will hand her the keys of his treasure and she will be as rich as heaven can make her. Will not the spouse therefore rejoice and sing aloud upon her bed? Psalm 149, 5 Christians, no matter how sad the times are, you can rejoice in your spiritual marriage. Habakkuk 3, 17-18 Let me tell you that it is a sin not to rejoice. You disparage your husband, Christ, if you are always sighing and weeping. What will others say? This woman has a bad husband. Is this the fruit of Christ's love to you to reflect dishonor upon him? A melancholy spouse saddens Christ's heart. I do not deny that Christians should grieve for sins of daily incursion, but to be always weeping as if we mourn without hope, is dishonorable to the marriage relationship. Rejoice in the Lord always. Philippians 4, 4 Rejoicing brings credit to your husband. Christ loves a cheerful bride, and indeed the very purpose of God making us sad is to make us rejoice. We sow in tears so that we may reap in joy. Psalm 126.5 twenty-six five. The excessive sadness and contrition of the godly will make others afraid to embrace Christ. They will begin to question whether there is that satisfactory joy in Christianity that is claimed. O oh, you saints of God, do not forget comfort and cheer. Let others see that you do not regret your choice to be with Christ it is joy that puts liveliness and activity into a christian the joy of the lord is your strength nehemiah 8:10 the soul is swiftness in duty when it is carried upon the wings of joy adorn this marriage relationship so that you may be a crown to your husband wear a veil we read of the spouse's veil song of solomon 5 7. This veil is humility. Put on your jewels. These are the graces that are compared to rows of pearl and chains of gold because of their splendor. Song of Solomon ten. These precious jewels distinguish Christ's bride from strangers. Conduct yourself as is proper for the spouse of Christ, in chastity and in sanctity. In chastity, be pure in your judgments. Do not defile yourselves with error. Error corrupts the mind, 1 Timothy 6, 5. It is one of Satan's devices to first defile the judgment and then the conscience. In sanctity, it is not right for Christ's spouse to act as harlots do. Immodesty and a coarse tongue are not fitting for a saint. Christ's bride must shine forth in gospel purity, so that she may make her husband fall in love with her. A woman was asked what dowry she brought her husband, and she answered that she had no dowry, but she promised to keep herself chaste. In the same way, although we cannot bring Christ a dowry, yet he expects us to keep ourselves pure not defiling ourselves by shameful and scandalous sins, but keeping ourselves unspotted from the world. James 1.27